0: Hi, I'm Hilary Acer, welcoming you to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, an ongoing exploration about how to improve health and healthcare. Today, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Lisa Beals, the nursing department chair at Missouri Southern State University, to learn about that program and get her perspective on challenges and opportunities in nursing education. Dr. Beals brings 30 plus years of nursing experience, a master's degree and a doctor of nursing practice to the role, which she assumed three and a half years ago. She also has a special research interest in simulation in nursing education, which we look forward to exploring with her. Thanks so much for being with us today, Dr. Beals.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: I'd like to start with learning more about you and what first got you interested in healthcare and particularly nursing.
1: Well, as you relayed in that very nicely done introduction, I started in healthcare about 34 years ago, actually, way back in the 90s, if you can imagine that. And I actually began, I think. You know, I thought about this question and I'm like, well, what piqued my interest in healthcare in general? And I would think it would have to be, I had an interest peaked when I was a young kid. My parents took me to the movie, The Fantastic Voyage. I don't know if you know that movie, but it's where they miniaturized a team and they went into the body and explored the body and all of that. And that really piqued my interest in learning about The body. And then I went on to complete my undergraduate degree in biology and chemistry. And uh, from there, I started working actually as a certified nursing assistant. And I think that's really when my interest in nursing kind of came to fruition, working with that population of patients. And so went on to get my degree in nursing and of course, went on to finish that on out with my doctorate and nursing practice.
0: Wow, what a journey i I'm not familiar with a fantastic voyage, but I do recall getting inspired by the magic school bus and and Mrs. Frizzle going on several you know inter body explorations, so I love that and yeah, you've had quite an amazing career in fact. You've spent many years as a medical surgical nurse, caring for patients before and after procedures. What drew you to that particular work?
1: Well, I think I knew where I wanted to start out in my practice and that was absolutely at the bedside. I started out in a small rural hospital of about 70 beds and caring for patients. Mind you, this was back in the early nineties and you know, From there, I just kind of progressed after I got some experience and actually ended my private sector career in the operating room. So that's where I started to think about, well, what are the next steps for me and ended up going back to school for my graduate work and worked actually as a clinical adjunct instructor.
0: Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And I would love to actually just double click on your work in a rural hospital and and how that may be different or what some of those unique challenges might have been. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Working in a rural hospital, I've actually experienced both now. So working in a rural hospital and working in um, a larger urban type hospital. And definitely there are challenges working in a rural hospital in terms of access to resources, not only for clinicians, but, you know, for patients, too. I think that's uh, in the forefront nowadays in healthcare. Is you know how to bridge that gap in terms of providing patient care in rural settings, you know, that will help their health and preventative health and on down the road. So yeah, a lot of challenges being a nurse in a rural setting that actually brings to mind a memory that I have, you know, back in the day, the nurse on the med surge floor, you were it, you know, you were the preparing medicines as, you know, the pharmacy would nowadays and just had to kind of be an expert in a lot of different, you know, things from emergency care to even obstetrical care. I remember having to, you know, go back and help with that as well when I was caring for patients on a medical surgical floor. So nowadays, you know, that hospital has grown and become a fabulous center for the community that, where it's at, and I'm just—I feel so fortunate to having started my career in that area.
0: It sounds like it gave you such a, a wide range of experiences, and, and probably maybe more than you actually bargained for at times, given some of the resource <laughs> restraints. And I—I I actually grew up in a fairly small town in Arizona too, so I have a, a lot of respect for healthcare workers who do that work in rural settings, knowing how expansive their roles can can get, you know, depending on the resources. So that's great. And you mentioned also being a clinical adjunct instructor kind of later on in your career. How did you first get involved with nursing education and, and what are some of the, the highlights of working in that field over the past dozen years or so?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And that also, kind of brings to the forefront a memory I have of working on that med surge floor. When I was early on in my career, I advanced to the level of a charge nurse pretty quickly. And with that role, um, I actually mentored a lot of new graduates that would come on my work three to 11 shift. Of course, there's not too many places that have that shift anymore, it's all 12 hour shifts but had just a great group of new graduates and mentored them in their, you know, initial journey into nursing. And that kind of piqued my interest with education and nursing education in particular. Um, I would think that's probably where it all began, actually.
0: It sounds like that was pretty fulfilling for you to mentor some of these new graduates. Is there anything in, in particular that you honed in on or maybe a certain wisdom that you passed along to them?
1: I think probably their desire to learn and to continue learning you know a lot of times you get out of school it's like i am i am done with learning and that could be further from the truth in healthcare i mean you're constantly learning even up to now you know i'm learning every day technology is advanced so so much and i think That, you know, that group of wonderful nurses, you know, I still have contact with on occasion and just their desire to help people and to learn and, you know, to be excited about that, I think was the highlight of that experience.
0: It sounds like you had a a pretty enormous impact on them. And I'd love to come back to your mention of technology in in just a little bit since that is exploding. And that's one of the areas that we intersect with is trying to help revolutionize health education, patient education, and make sure that it's more accessible. But before we get there, I'd love to get an overview of Missouri Southern State University's nursing program and what you think its strengths are.
1: Yeah, Missouri Southern States University is actually located in Southwest Missouri in the town of Joplin, Missouri. And as a university has, I mean, I we probably don't have enough time for me to go through all of the great things that are happening at Missouri State and Southern State University and particularly in the nursing program. I think probably the... Strengths that we have as a program and the university is our commitment to fostering a culture of caring, supporting students in whatever degree path that they choose. In the nursing department, in particular, working with a fabulous group of faculty that you know really care about their student success and know how tough. It is to go through nursing school. We have a baccalaureate program. We have three programs. Actually, we have the traditional baccalaureate program. We have an LPN to BSN bridge, and then we have an R online RN to BSN program that helps to support, you know, those nurses that maybe graduate with an associate degree or diploma degree, but want to continue their education. Yeah, I think, you know. Just being in such a supportive environment can definitely impact student learning and their confidence levels and progressing in their plan of study.
0: I'm so glad you, you mentioned that—that that, you know a safe learning environment is so important for for students. And I'm curious, just how you and your fellow faculty culture foster that culture of caring, and if there's anything you know unique to how you approach your students or how you support them that we could highlight here?
1: Well, one of our missions in the program and the department is to foster that relationship building component of faculty to student interaction that, you know, we're here to help them, to support them in whatever way that we can, knowing that, you know, they face so many challenges, particularly now to, you know, further their education And to enter into such a wonderful profession as nursing, you know, being there for them day in and day out pretty much seven days a week, even though, you know, they probably wouldn't want me to say that publicly, but they are there behind them 100% all the way and helping them to succeed.
0: Sounds like amazing dedication that you and your faculty have to your students. And I, I love that you mentioned this relationship building. It's actually something that Osmosis and, and our team has really focused on over the last several years, especially in a remote environment. But we actually have trainings on, on how to foster relationships and we also really try to tie in our six core values, one of which, and my favorite value is start with the heart, which really points to cultivating that, that culture of, of caring and compassion and empathy. So there's a lot of alignment between our, our cultures. It sounds, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear that it's, it's kind of spreading throughout the education space, which, which. I think has been more competitive and, and maybe cutthroat, and as you mentioned, you know, our students are facing a number of of new challenges today than than they have in the past. So, uh, congratulations to you and your team for for doing great work.
1: Absolutely, thank you for that.
0: Now, your your program offers immersive learning opportunities. Can you give us some examples of those and and how they impact your students?
1: Absolutely. I think in the classroom, you know, faculty in the department as a whole are. Really dedicated to trying to bridge that academic practice gap, you know, that is pretty prevalent even yet, even though active learning, you know, is growing in momentum by incorporating such things as escape rooms and, you know, taking students. Into simulation. We have a wide variety of clinical sites that you know help students to really build context. And I would say at the core, that's one of the key things for students is building that context and you know, situational type learning different situations and caring for patients. You know, a lot of classes do the flip classroom approach, you know, with audiovisual technology. And then our most recent immersive learning opportunity revolves around virtual reality and using that in simulation.
0: I'm so glad you, you mentioned that. First of all, I mean, it sounds very creative and you've got a really enriched learning environment that you're providing to your students across all of these different opportunities, simulations, virtual reality, early clinical exposure, and so on. But I'd love to double down on the high fidelity simulations and kind of audiovisual technology and learning. In fact, you did some really early research and potentially ahead of its time research on this space in particular. Can you give us some highlights of what your research found and, and how it's now being implemented?
1: Yeah, so I was... You absolutely hit the nail on the head. I was pretty early in starting to think about how we could use audiovisual technology to enhance student learning and particularly to enhance their confidence in performing essential nursing skills, such as physical assessment, both in the clinical setting and in simulation, high fidelity simulation. So that's the focus of my research. It was a quasi-experimental research study. And I I found that definitely there was significance in having students, you know, record themselves, completing a physical assessment, watching that recording, developing those self-reflective skills, which is very important if you're going to be providing mindful care for patients. And then going into the high fidelity simulation and, you know, performing that same skill and then on into clinical so almost like a tiered approach so yeah that was a very early use of audiovisual technology and how we're implementing it today at Missouri Southern is our students continue to record essential skills and you know be reflective even do peer review faculty have the ability to give annotated feedback in the video. It's just like a constant motion or cycle of, of, of feedback, which, you know, the literature speaks to of being so important to develop student learning.
0: Wow. Dr. Beal, some would call you a pioneer in this space. It sounds like it, this program has really grown and expanded. For our, our listeners, we actually work with a number of institutions and universities and academic centers around the globe. What can they learn from Missouri Southern? Is there any advice that you would give to maybe other programs that are looking to enhance their uh, audiovisual learning or simulation programs or things like that?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And I would think probably the key thing would be to not suppress your creative side. You know, think think about things in different ways of how. You can approach using audiovisual technology to, to help students, which will eventually help patients in the long run, to, you know, to be that influence, to use innovation and not be afraid of that, I guess, so to speak. You know, a lot of people are, oh, I, I'm afraid to use te- technology, or maybe I'm not, you know, up to speed on certain technologies. Well, you know, we'll, we, you'll never know how good you can get until you try.
0: That's great advice, you know, leaning into that creative side. And, and it sounds like maybe even having a healthy dose of experimentation with the programs that you're developing and maybe in collaboration with faculty and students as well. So we'll definitely pass that along to our, our other partner schools and encourage them to learn from you all. On a similar note, you know, we've seen this real explosion of artificial intelligence. Can you speak to the impact AI is having on nursing education and and perhaps how you're preparing your students for practicing in an environment in which AI is being utilized for things like diagnostic support, among many other applications?
1: Yeah, so the impact of AI, I don't think we fully know what that's going to be yet in nursing education. I mean, I think it's kind of evolving as we learn more about using AI as a tool. You know, I think we have to be very careful in going forward in terms of, you know, protecting such things as student privacy, but definitely, you know, like any tool, you can use it for good or not you know, maybe not use it for good things, but you know, I think using it as a tool and being very careful in how you apply it as a tool can definitely help both students and faculty, you know, for example, with nursing education and helping offload some of that work that faculty do to AI might be uh, an important use of that tool. And of course in healthcare, I think AI is just exploding you know like you said with diagnostic support and you know facilitating how we can think about healthcare from an upstream versus downstream type you know mindset which is something we definitely I feel need to
0: work towards so many important points you just made there. I think, you know, we're, we're all very excited at Osmosis and Elsevier about the possibility of AI, uh, but also very cautious and wanting to make sure that it's used in a responsible manner. So I think, you know, helping faculty, you know, maybe find more efficiencies and and potentially, you know, assessing students' performance or creating assessments or so on. And then, of course, in clinical practice, you know, we are seeing many folks turn to it for diagnose, diagnostic support. In fact, our partners at Elsevier Health have just released a clinical key AI beta product, which we're really excited about That that is supporting the diagnostic side. So I think we're, you know, we have a lot to We'll kind of wait and see AI and and I think we're excited, but like you said, kind of cautious. And I love what you you said earlier about being creative and experimenting with some of these new tools and technologies. And I think, you know, we're we're learning a lot from our partners and and other organizations around how they're they're trialing AI and and also what to be cautious of and, and what to maybe double down on and and continue to dig into. So I think we're we're kind of at the wait and see stage of AI, but great to hear how you're thinking about it and also how you're integrating it.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a very important tool in going forward with nursing education, just, you know, healthcare education in general. We recently in the health science department received one of the anatomy tables, you know, and I could, I could definitely see that innovation being used in various ways, AI in terms of, you know, building that patient context, I mean, I think about all the experiences I've had over the past 30 years and, and, you know, that's a wealth of knowledge and helping students, you know, to, to glean from that um, for me to help them do that. And AI will only enhance that, you know, in building that patient context to make them better clinicians when they go into the clinical
0: setting. Definitely, and one of the roles that I had previous to Osmosis was at a company called Khan Academy, and they've recently launched more of a Socratic tutor model with a tool called Khanmigo, and it's been really interesting to see that use case where, you know, a student can ask this AI tutor a question, and instead of just giving it the answer, it will actually kind of guide the student through a series of questions and and help them find their own answer. So I think there's a lot of really great applications, and yeah, we'll we'll kind of stay tuned on on what's around the corner for for all of these emerging technologies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We use Socratic questioning frequently when we're giving feedback or, you know, in the classroom. Absolutely.
0: That's great. And, you know, we we are a teaching company. And one of the things that we love to do is fill in knowledge gaps with or without AI. So is there a topic that you think Osmosis should make maybe a learning video about or educational materials about that would fill in a gap that's of particular interest to you?
1: Well, of course, I get excited anytime you say high fidelity simulation. (laughs) So, you know, helping educators to be better at what they do, maybe, would be something that could fill in that gap, you know. We're pretty innovative in our program. For example, right now, we actually do a hybrid type of simulation where we take a patient in virtual reality, have them run through that scenario and then expand upon that same patient scenario in high fidelity simulation. So they're experiencing both worlds and then up and coming augmented virtual reality, you know, that's, that's another up and coming thing. So just helping us to be better healthcare educators I think would be an interest that I would have.
0: Well potentially there's an opportunity for us to partner with you and and your teams on creating content like that. It's definitely an area that we focused on around evidence-based, you know, learning science and we have a couple of courses for educators on how to how to teach in especially a hybrid environment or sometimes a fully remote environment or utilizing osmosis to flip your classroom and so on. But but certainly we we haven't gone into the details of things like augmented virtual reality or even high fidelity simulation. So there's a big opportunity there and would love to collaborate with you further.
1: Yeah, I think that would be awesome.
0: Dr. Reels, we have many students and early career health professionals in our audience. What is your advice to them about meeting the challenges of this moment and approaching their career in healthcare?
1: That question requires some thought and in thinking about that, I think, you know, we, I think we all are hyper aware of the fact of the experience that we went through with the pandemic and the challenges that we faced in healthcare with that. And also, you know, in healthcare education. So what I could, you know, what little advice I could give to them is, you know, to be patient with yourself. I mean, learning is difficult and it can be very frustrating, you know, when you're not instantly, you know, getting something. So being patient with yourself, being persistent with your learning, being intentional with your learning is so very important, especially when you're learning new concepts. And certainly, you know, the the audiovisual component of that and what Osmosis provides only can you know help students in and reaching those bridging those challenges.
0: That's really great advice. And it reminds me actually of Carol Dweck and Angela Duckworth's work on grit and the importance of Of having that perseverance in learning, especially because we know that the learning process can be up and down and there can be challenges and there can be times when you feel like you're just not getting it right. So I think that's great advice to our students. And then on the flip side, what you capture there is just being compassionate with yourself and patient with yourself. And I think that just goes back to the culture that you've created at Missouri Southern state and, and how you and your, your team have really approached learning. It seems like it's just really capturing the holistic view of students, including, you know, their, their emotions and making sure that they have a psychologically safe space to learn. So we'll, we'll make sure that our, our learners and our audience, you know, keep that in mind staying, you know, staying gritty with their learning and also being compassionate with themselves.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You got to have some grit nowadays (laughs) for sure.
0: Definitely. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today?
1: I can't think of anything. And I think you've hit on a lot of key and very important points, such as grit and, you know, innovation and the use of technology. So the only thing I can say is just keep doing what you're doing. So what you're doing is wonderful work and we greatly appreciate it in the nursing education world.
0: Thanks so much for saying that, Dr. Beals, it's a pleasure to partner with you and your team and look forward to much more collaboration down the road. Thank you again for being with us today. I'm Hillary Acer. Remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together.
1: If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also
0: subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org/raise the line podcast.